Hi, I'm Blake. I read Into the Wild. Hi, I'm Layla, and I read Blink. Hi, I'm Rebecca, and I read What Made Maddie Run. Hi, I'm Ella, and I read Tribe. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I read Blink. <laughs> and this is The Breakfast Re- Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and the question... Oh, and the question of the week is going to be, how does technology and modernization influence the development of collective and individual identity? So in the book Blink, it talked about how our subconscious judge judges one another without us realizing it. There's a test on how like our subconscious sees if we're racist or not based on how we are introducing to society. And it's usually biased towards white people because of how we are taught and influenced because in movies we don't see many diverse characters in it. And let's say there's an example in the book that if you watched the Olympics before, you would see African-Americans in it, like doing good stuff. So, and if you would take that racial test, it will make you more biased towards African-American instead of white. And it just talks about how our subconsciouses do a quick, a snap judgment without us realizing it because of how we're influenced. Okay, and what made Maddie run? I read about how she was struggling in college still, and she was talking to her friends about it, and she was very, she was very, she was trying to cover it up. No one knew that she was having such a hard time. They just figured, oh, it's, she's transitioning into college. Everyone has a hard time. It's a stereotype, but in reality, she was having a much harder time than others. Many times in the book, she has posted something on social media and deleted it because she doesn't like the way she looks or in certain ways. And I figured that was really important about her character, that she was very insecure about many things. Also, I read about she made the decision that she wanted to go home and try to go look for a different college because she hates her track. She just hates it so much and she just feels sad all the time and she doesn't feel like she's improving or she's doing anything right. Like it's not her place to be there. So that's what I read and yeah. So in Tribe this week, um, it kind of talked about like the impact of war and what it ha- the impact it had on society. Um, and the first, it opens up with a quote and it says, an earthquake achieves what the law promises, but does not in practice maintain, which is the equality of all men. So it just kind of talks about how in times of war, the crime rates drop because they're so focused on community and the betterment of their society and like survival that they don't even focus on crime rate or like committing crimes. And it says that the war helped psychiatric patients, gosh, um, the numbers went down in hospitals because seeing the trauma from everybody else, it inspired them to help out their community more. And they were volunteering to drive the ambulances and just get more involved in their community. And it said that the bombed communities that weren't weren't chaotic because the society wanted to act for the good of their community. And Fitz said that modern society disrupted social bonds. He called them a community of sufferers, reassuring there was no reassuring connection to others, but in times of chaos and catastrophe, 
people banded together for survival. But in social, in modern times, it's hard for us to connect with one another because of technology and how it distracts each one of us. And then he also went in to talk about how men are impulsive and sensation seeking and women are more have like moral courage. And he talks about the coal miners who are trapped and they call it a bump. It's when like the dirt kind of caves in and a lot of miners were trapped and different leaders rose up. Some were more emotionally stable and others were more on the concern with just surviving. And then he goes in to talk about PTSD and he suffered from PTSD from being in the Iraq war. And he has a panic attack in the subway station. And it inspires him to talk or to research more on PTSD. And he says that war inspires human virtues of courage, loyalty, and selflessness. And people who come back from the war, we welcome them and we are just happy to have them back. But then we don't provide them with jobs or help them reintegrate themselves into society. So it just makes their PTSD worse. And we also tell soldiers, you have PTSD, you have a problem, we need to help you, even if they don't. So it's hard to distinguish between the people who do have PTSD and the people who don't. Um, and then the three things he said, his three main points at the end were cohesive egalitarian tribal societies do good for mitigating trauma, like people who have trauma, they're good at integrating them back into society. Ex-combatants shouldn't be seen as victims. They shouldn't be victimized and told that they have problems. And veterans need to feel that they're just as necessary productive back in society. So they need to feel like they can be reintegrated and reincorporated in society. And yeah. Um, so in blank, there's a story about um, there's like a fire at a house. And so fire squad like went there to put out the fire. And they had to go into the house, and um, they originally thought that it was a kitchen fire because they couldn't see, like, where it was coming from, and it was, like, in the kitchen. Um, but so they tried to put out the fire with their hoses, but it wasn't going out. Um, and so they were, like, wondering, like, where it was coming from. So they took um, – they went back into, like, the living room of the house, and the leading fireman realized that it was coming from the basement, because like um, it felt like the floor felt warmer um, and like he could tell that like the heat was rising from the basement. And so then like he um, told all the firemen to like get out of the house because he could tell that the floor was gonna like collapse because of the fire. And right as they left the building, like the floor like collapsed. And if they, like if he hadn't had that snap judgment, that like something was wrong, like they all like would have been injured. Um, and so like the firemen, they're talking, the author of Blank was talking about how the fireman was like thin slicing because he like picked up, like from his experience, he picked up all the different clues of like where the fire was coming from. And he couldn't like put it into words, like he couldn't explain how he knew that the fire was coming from the basement, but his mind like, like realized his subconscious knew where it was coming from before his conscious self knew. And he just like went with his gut to um, lead the fire into safety. And there was um, a quote, um, it's in the act of tearing something apart, you, you lose its meaning. And basically this quote is saying like, when you focus on all the individual parts of something and 
like you don't look at it as a whole like you you can't like see the real meaning of it because every part of something like like when it comes together like it changes like the meaning of something like if you take like one part of a person you just focus on that like that's not their true identity like that's just one part of it you have to look at the whole thing together um and then there was another story about like um the it's called the pepsi challenge and basically like coca-cola was like the leading um like soda brand but pepsi was like coming like it was um like coming up and people were liking pepsi more so they coca-cola did uh, like a taste test where they would have someone taste um like coke and someone taste pepsi but they couldn't tell which one was which and like they would ask them which one they liked better and most people said that they liked pepsi better because it was like sweeter but when they did um, different tests to it's like a stay-at-home test where they gave them like a pack of Pepsi and a pack of Coke to take home. Um, they found that like most people liked the Coke because the Pepsi was too sweet, like they couldn't drink it over a long period of time. But the Coke was like better for like drinking a whole can rather than the Pepsi, and like it relates to like the snap judgments. How like when we just have a sip of something. Like we like of Pepsi, like we think it's really sweet, so we like that one better. But like as we focus more on it, like drinking it the whole can, we realize that it's like not um, good for long periods of time. And another thing that they talked about was um, this company wanted to make like a new type of chair, and they wanted to make the most like ergonomically correct chair. And so they did all this research and they made um, like this really comfortable chair. But in order for it to be really comfortable, that it had to look like um, like really un like aesthetically pleasing. And so a lot of people didn't want to buy it because they like didn't like the way it looked. But then when they had people like actually sit in it, they're like, wow, this is really comfortable. But like our our judgments of like how something looks like changes our opinion of something and we don't like want to buy it like packaging is like everything in that sense like if we think that a chair is ugly like we don't care how comfortable it is like we care more about the look and that's basically it uh from into the wild we picked up you know where chris his his yellow death sun car was discovered and he had abandoned it and then i mean it just kind of jumped through to him venturing place to place, canoeing down, uh, you know, the river, flipping burgers at McDonald's. But then, you know, it skips to when his, his body was actually discovered and he was on the news. And, and, and a lot of people didn't understand what he wanted to do, including the people that he left behind. They all, they all called him selfish and stuff. You know, even though he had spent those 113 days persevering through the wilderness and really exploring and do what he wanted to do, you know, people just didn't understand why he did that. Or, you know, why, why he left behind the life that he did. Now we're going to talk about the, uh, the question of the week in relation to our resources. And just to reintroduce it, it was, how does technology and modernization influence the development of collective and individual identity? Okay, I would like to talk about a quote from my book. And it said, one, one study found that an average of high school student today likely deals with as much anxiety as a sac as a patient in the 1950s. So we 
high school students are dealing with more now than a person who had very much mental illness back then. And I thought that was kind of ironic because, like, that's just one person. And, like, we today, many people have it, and we think of it as the normal, but we shouldn't treat it as the normal. We should treat it as something different and something we need to – we take care of it. And I feel like social media – doesn't help that or technology because I feel like it just makes it worse and makes it more, I don't know, bigger, a bigger issue with it. Yeah, Tribe kind of touches on that. He talks about how PTSD is so, like, you can, it's so evident in our society and other illnesses like anxiety and depression and schizophrenia. It's so evident in society because of technology, it's causing us to think differently about ourselves and to want to change the way we look maybe. And kids are also growing up in homes that aren't necessarily good for them. And they're being, these ideas are being planted in their brains that they're not good enough. And so this, when they grow up, it leads to further issues and more mental illness. So in the book, Blink, um, it talks about how technology influences in a good and a bad way. Um, so since there's not a lot of diversity in movies or TV shows, we, we are influenced in a bias that we judge people on based on our snap judgments, saying that, oh, it has to be this way or they're lower class than us because that's just how we're taught. It's not necessarily that we're racist or that we think a certain way it's because we were taught like that and no one else has talked about it it's so and then social media adds on to that because you always want to be like the best that's showing like who has the better stuff in social media even though in reality it's nothing close to that and so it's almost like if you have a mask on during that and like your true self is like with you with that one um, and so I want to talk about um, the TED Talk, which is called Connected But Alone by um, Sherry Turkle. Mm-hmm. And basically she's talking about like how technology like affects us like individually and collectively like as a society. Um, and like we're so advanced now in technology. Like she, there's a quote um, that she said, it says, we are letting it take us places that we don't want to go. And it's like we celebrate like all the advancements in technology but we don't stop to think like if they're gonna have a good effect on us or a bad effect on us like not um like everything we use technology for is necessary and maybe it's having a bad effect and but we don't like realize it like we may not realize it before it's too late um and like basically she was saying how our cell phones like they not only change what we do but they change who we are like we rely on our cell phones like so much like it doesn't allow us room to like think for ourselves and like basically it's really important especially like for uh, like teens and like younger kids like to have like face-to-face connections so that they know like how to behave and like um like behave around other people and like interact with people but when we're just on our phones all the time we're like denying each other our full attention like we don't want to pay attention to everything we're just on our phones like like whatever is going on like we're not in we're not present in our place like we want to be somewhere else 
And yeah, like, our like she said, like alone that. together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, um, like people like can use their phones to like edit their lives. Like we have a fear of like communicating with other people in real time because like, what if we say something wrong or what if like we don't think of something quick enough? Like if we're texting or like Snapchatting or whatever all the time, like we get to like calculate what we're gonna say and what's gonna happen. And like, we just want to have control over our lives but I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing because then we're just gonna, we're gonna develop, like we're gonna think that everything can be perfect in our lives because we edit it so much, but it's act, like in reality, like that's just, it's all fake. It's not real. Um, yeah, and she was talking to that one teenage boy who said, someday, someday, but certainly not now, I'd like to learn how to have a conversation. And like so many people are used to using technology to talk to people because they're nervous that they're going to mess up or say something wrong. So having texting, it gives them the ability to text or edit, delete, and retouch what they want to say. But also people are seeing the person that you have edited, deleted, and retouched because you're not showing them who you really are. You're just hiding behind a screen. Yeah, yeah. so like in a podcast, it talks about digital, digital manipulation. Almost like how you said that you're calculating what you're going to say before. Mm-hmm. So in person, kids are becoming more awkward because they don't have time to like They don't think. have the social skills. Yeah, they don't have the social skills anymore like how they used to be. And so it also there's persuasion in social media. Like the way it's set up, it's like calibrated to make you want to buy stuff, make you want to like a certain way or be in a trend. Because if you're not part of that trend, it seems like you're awkward or like oh, like, what's wrong with that person? How come they're not into this and stuff? But it's supposed to make you think that way for you could buy stuff, for you could be trendy, if you might say. Mm-hmm. So it's all about people, are, kids are getting more awkward just being in person instead of behind a screen. Just to add on to that, you know, actually, there was a quote from the TED Talk that she had said that I really liked, and I, it was, we're lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy. And I thought that was that was really deep just to think, you know, just like they were saying, kids are afraid of having conversations. They don't know how to. It's just, you know, they want to. But at this point, it's kind of, you know, we don't ever have them. And like they said, we haven't built up the skills to have them. And at this point, nobody is ever going to build up the skills to have them. We, we constantly have an advantage like that to sit on our phone, you know, yeah. and be able to plan ahead. Yeah. And another quote that I really liked from her is she said, people can't get enough of each other if and only if they can have each other at a distance and amounts that they can control and like i feel like we can all find like some truth in ourselves and that's like we feel like we need to have control over everything because we're afraid of letting go we're afraid that like maybe someone is going to see something about ourselves that we don't like and but like we should be learning to live with ourselves instead of like trying to like cover everything up and hiding and like creating a false identity yeah and like in the article the ruthless elimination of hurry It says, James Williams called the tech industry the largest, most standardized, and most centralized form of attentional control in human history. So the way they advertise is they're trying to get you to think, oh, if I get this, I'll be cool. And so it's affecting our society because we think that, oh, if we don't have these things that the, like, media is so encouraging that you get, then you're not, like, cool. You're not accepted into society. It's, like, set up that way. Yeah, it's, like, it doesn't give you a chance to develop a individual identity 
and the collective identity of society is just changing for the worse. Because it also says that our social or our attention span is eight seconds, whereas a goldfish's attention span is nine. So like a goldfish is beating us. And it's because we are so focused on our phones and so engaged in what other people have to say on social media and stuff that we don't even care what's going on around us. Yeah, I feel like we're social media and like technology should bring us together, but it's just making us more separate yeah. and mm-hmm. more there's more alone. judgment. Yeah. Uh, we, we're we think, isolated. We think that real thing is like perfect because that's what people show us like online. So then we feel like we're not good enough, but it's just it's like far from the truth. Yeah, that's yeah. not the truth. Well, do you guys think that like in the explained or alter ego video, do you think manip- or like manipulating what our babies may look like or just like genetically modifying things? Is that a good idea? No, it's almost like Jurassic yeah. World. Like yeah. uh, there's like four or five movies about how that's going to turn out bad in the end. And I think that is like true. Like it like, should be a course of nature, not like yeah. Even if it does become something that we can do, like it would only be available to like the rich. And like mm-hmm. I don't see how that's like fair because basically all the rich people would have the best qualities. Like they would be mm-hmm. the most intelligent, the most athletic. They wouldn't have like the diseases because they'd be yeah, able to get rid of like all that stuff. And that's like just yeah. Yeah, well, like, creating more of a divide between the rich and the poor. Yeah, I understand that you would want to maybe take out hereditary like diseases and stuff but then that could also lead to other diseases or other problems or defects that the baby might have how do we know what the effects yeah like you don't know what could like in jurassic world they thought that they were doing something good and then all of a sudden like the animals turned on them they couldn't control them yeah no we're not sorry no i was just gonna say you know we're not we're not trying to lead to a homogenous society where Mm -hmm. everybody's the same either you know just like uniqueness yeah exactly we're not trying to like the the movie gattaca did you guys Mm -hmm. i don't know and that where you know everybody was trying to be perfect and the people that weren't perfect or i guess in this case the ones who aren't rich who can't afford that they were shunned and they had to work you know the crappy jobs and i don't know that that just it would do it would just develop such a big rift in society that really isn't desirable it's yeah. almost like if we would go backwards in time to where there is a d- division between rich and poor instead of, like, a middle class. Yeah. Things like that. And, like, I guess with the genetically, like, modifying, like, it's kind of giving us, like, a way to, like, in a sense, like, play God, like, decide mm-hmm. whether we have a boy or a girl. And, like, that's, like, kind of, like, in, like... It does. It go. It goes against nature. That's just not what yeah. life is about. Yeah, and the child might not be happy with the traits that you've given them. Yeah. So like, yeah. exactly. even though you might think they're perfect, they might yeah. not. They nobody's might not like perfect. Uh, yeah, they and then, like they're gonna you. develop their own skills and personality themselves. Yeah, like, we're, we're talking that. about identity. I mean, you're, you're creating their yeah. identity. You're it's not what it's about. You're basically deciding the life for your child for them, and you're not yeah. letting them develop by themselves and like deciding what they want to look like. And when they go off to college, they won't be able to do anything for themselves because you've been like yeah. controlling their life, basically. Yeah, and then at that point, how would they feel? You know, it's hard to gain a new perspective considering everybody would be the same yeah. as you. Well, it's like the Nazis. They yeah, wanted Aryan blonde. race, yeah. yeah. Everyone thinks that, like, blonde, if I change my yeah. baby's hair color, then they'll be perfect, but mm-hmm. it's just not. There is true. no perfect. It's just yeah. So well, one thing that makes all of us different from each other is like our DNA. And if we make all of our DNA the same, like, what's the point? Exactly. Of having individual identities. Yeah, and then like it's also scary because you don't know who could get a hold of this technology and like 
somebody like the Nazis could come back up and like create this race that could ultimately take over the world. Yeah, and like the most athletic and yeah, there's always like an evil side to technology. Yeah, and then also in the digital manipulation podcast, Elizabeth Loftus talks about like memory manipulation mm-hmm. and like how you can take out memories or like adjust them, which I don't think I I don't agree with that because like you learn from your memories, you learn from your mistakes, and if Our you take that out, make who we are. Yeah, and she said like you could repeat it. Like Steve Ramirez, he wanted to. He had a bad breakup. Like, you can learn from that and move forward in other relationships and not, like, do the same things you did, you know? And I think that might eventually lead to, like, you know, a utopian society such as, yeah. like, one that's depicted in, um, like, Fahrenheit 451 mm-hmm. or A Brave New World, you know, just leading to these these. these nobody's happy yeah. in those societies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like the people at the top, and they tell you what to do and what mm-hmm. to think, yeah, and like they do. Everything. Almost like the giver. Yeah, like the giver. I was just supposed yeah. to only have, like, certain memories. And then when he puts the memories in, he's like, oh, my gosh, like, look at how beautiful this mm-hmm. all is. But if yeah. you adjust those memories, like, nobody will be happy. This technology that, like, we're creating is becoming really dangerous and, like, causes a lot of, like, ethical, like, controversial mm-hmm. issues. And it's like, when, when, should we, when do we stop? Yeah, there's like no limit to what yeah. you can do if you keep decide going. Decide what technologies are good, what technologies are bad. Well, I think it's not even just about the technology; it's how we're using the technology. To, yeah. to the technology to chase our like our perfection that we can never have. Yeah, it goes back to like last week's resources with perfectionism and how everybody's trying and striving for perfection when really nobody's perfect, yeah. and, and you can't say, achieve that. And yeah. Who's to say if we're going to use that for like good or? that yeah in the future and even if we do achieve what we think is perfect there will always be something better Mm -hmm. like we won't ever really achieve it yeah it says it in the question right hey you know how does technology and monetization influence the development it's not influencing it it's creating the identity yeah Yeah. (laughs) like people don't they're not able to think for themselves anymore because social media is just saying like what is true yeah telling us how to think like especially like with advertisements like you may not think that you're being controlled by them but like you know everything that you see like yeah whether even if it's like good yeah even if it's something that's good like everything that you see on social media is like controlling you and affecting how you think and not even just in social media it's in you know popular culture news News, music everything in modern life not even things you would think about yeah like even like clothing like just everywhere everywhere you look you see, like, people wanting you to be perfect where you can't. Yeah. Just to sum up what we've talked about today and, you know, answer the question. Um, so, first of all, we think that technology is kind of making us want to be perfect. And it's stressing perfectionism and how no one should have an individual identity. It's all very collective and just yeah. one individual identity for all of us. Mm-hmm. And then it, we also talked about how social media plants ideas in our head about how we should act, what our personality should be like, and what ultimately our life should look like. And again, it leads back to perfectionism. And then also we talked about how people are developing this fear of conversation and intimacy and how everyone is scared to have face-to-face conversations with people because they're nervous that they won't be able to edit or delete what they want to say. Like, there's no control over it, really, and they can't go back and change it. And um, we also talked about how social media is like an addictive drug, and it's personalized. So 
it knows you and it reads you as you use it. And it's hard to get away from it because you want, you have information at your fingertips and you want to know what's going on. And you just in this constant need of like, okay, what is going on? What can I follow? What can I do to be perfect and be accepted in this society? The more you use it, the harder it is to like get away from mm -hmm. it and realize like how bad it actually is for you. Because like when we talk about it, like we see that it's like a drug addiction, but we still like, we still use technology, we still use social media, yeah. like we don't want to let go. We know it's bad, but we can't get away from yeah. it. Yeah, like an addiction. And it's affecting our attention span and our self-esteem and just the way we view life. Yeah. And so that wow, the that's, podcast. Yeah, that's pretty much it. This has been The Breakfast Bunch. Have a good day. Have a great day. Okay, now we need to.